Welcome to the Metro Church Podcast. We hope you will be blessed by this message. For more information about Metro Church, visit our website at metrochurch.org.au. Great to see you, balcony people. Are you well? <laughs> A lone voice crying in the wilderness. Yes! <laughs> and of course, everyone watching online, uh, whether you're in another part of the state or just couldn't uh, be here this morning, or that's your regular version of church, we're just glad you joined us and you're part of this uh, great family of God. And uh, we're going to hear from the Lord this morning. Thanks, mate. I'm getting surrounded. I'm getting all sorts of props. Let's give Leo a big hand. I appreciate all the work Leo does. I know. Sorry, mate. If you wanted less attention, you should have wore a less snazzy shirt. You should have just worn all black, you know, more discreet. No, I really appreciate everyone that works and serves in our church. Just a phenomenal spirit, just a phenomenal heart. I mean, excellence is one thing, but an excellent spirit, a generous spirit, is just the, that's the best. That's so gold. So good morning, and um, I'm going to share the word with you this morning. Uh, it's a bit of a different word. It's a play on words, and I, I hope you'll remember it. Uh, God's given us language to use to help shape our realities, to communicate heartfelt desires, and to, to lead our life to life. And so the right words, the right language are really important. So we're going to talk about a very particular word in just a minute. But, but let me ask you a question, just to make sure you're listening as we kick off the service, is who is currently pretty tired, frustrated, you know, worn out, ugh, like overwhelmed, and you haven't even started the year yet? Okay, give me, raise your hands. Yeah, I was like that. Okay, I was going to say, okay, now hands up if you haven't got kids. Okay, that was, that was my first joke, which went down really well. You're, the first one, you're all supposed to put your hands up, and then everyone else hasn't got kids. But I just feel for the parents and, and families who've had kids home for, right from Christmas. I'm sure it's a blessing, but I bet you can't wait for them to get back to school, right? You know, and, and of course, you're going, yes, yes, yes. I love you, dear, but it's time to go back to school. And of course, the teachers, any school teachers here or people who work in education, we're like the ones who are, uh, you feel, should feel sorry for. All right, so we're going to be looking forward to that on, on, on slot. Um, look out, look out. But 2024 is going to be a good year. Everyone say, it's going to be a good year. It's going to be a God year. So you're going to come out of the haze of 2021, 22, 23, where we were sort of just, what's happening in the world? Started to rebuild things a little bit. feel like, yes, there's some hope, but not real clarity of what this new world's going to look like. And certain things changed dramatically. Other things sort of came back and have found their, their pace. But to, I believe today God doesn't want us just to, just to ease into another year and just see what happens. But to actually today for it to be a watershed moment, a crossroads where your life is dramatically altered. So today we're going to share the four ways to radically alter your life. And it's not a spelling error. But let me go back to the first version of the word alter, A-L-T-E-R. What do people do to change their life, to alter their life, to make their life better? One thing we can do is to change or alter what you do. Okay, so your job, the main area of industry or ambition or the mechanics of of your day-to-day provision is is based on a job or a, a work or a hobby or a ministry 
if I change that, if I'm not happy how I am, if I change that, that's a large proportion of my life. I was to, if I was to change my job and become uh, an architect, I thought of that straight away. As, as you know, always want to be an architect, isn't that right, Mr. Gom? Okay. <laughs> Mr. Gom would love to be an architect. That would change my life. So we, so it would change who I interact with. It would change what I do. It would be a fee change. Second thing I could do is change where I live, change the environment we're in. Who's moved um, to, to a, like from here to, to here from somewhere else in the last year? Who's, who's new to Perth? Fantastic. Oh, fantastic. Welcome. Okay. So there's been a big change of their environment, their location. Some people like to do the tree change. You see where I'm going here? A fee change. Change what you're doing for your work. Tree change, change where you live, change your environment. Surely that'll make me happy. Well, not necessarily, because you take you with you. And the, trees, and the trees are saying, thanks very much. Can you go back to where you came from? Number three, you could change who you're with. Maybe the stress of your life is because of the people around you. So changing who, Michael, where are you going with this? Change who you're with. No, seriously, who you're with. Uh, I've, I've heard this said by great people like Dale Car- Carnegie and Zig Ziglar and all these great motivational speakers. You are a product of the people you associate with and the books you read. Well, I hang out. Well, at least I've got, I got one out of two. I hang out with some really good people. <laughs> I'm working on the reading. But your partnerships, your relationships, if they change, and sometimes we need to change aspects of some of the people in our world. <laughs> don't talk to... Don't, 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 don't dig your spouse right now. I'm talking about sometimes some of the friendships or even family. You've, you've got to put some appropriate redistancing or calibrating of how you interact. We'd call that a we change. We're changing how we do we. Number four is a when Alteration. In other words, how we manage to fit in all the things we do. I feel like, who doesn't feel like, who feels like they don't spend enough time on the things they actually really love? Who doesn't, who's not enough time for that? Okay. Okay. You're all doing what you want to do. You're all happy. We can sit, we can go straight to the altar call. I did have some more points. I keep thinking, I haven't played golf for seven years. Like that's, that's, you know, some preachers have these great testimonies of the things they went through. They've been shot at and, you know, terrible things that they've you know, lost their church. And I've, I haven't played golf for seven years. But for me, that was a big deal because golf represents a place of uh, restoration and, and reprieve and solace amongst the bits of frustration when you slice the ball into the bush a few times. But other than that, yeah, and, and I've got to get Leanne's husband out there. Well, he's got to get me out there. Get, I need help. So maybe if I change the, the scheduling and the priorities so I can find the right time and the right place to fit all the things in my busy life in, maybe if I have a speed change, I'll be happier. Slow down on some things and fit in more of the things I want to do. Now, they're four valid things, right? They're not bad things. Changing what you do can be a good thing. Changing where you live can be a positive thing. Changing and making new partnerships, relationships, and maybe modifying some of the, the uh, negative ones uh, can be a positive thing. And making time for the right things can definitely be a good thing for your life. But th- they're all important. But one constant I notice, no matter what we do in life as humans, we always run from 
pain to pleasure. We always run from what's uncomfortable at the moment, whether it's your job, your relationships, all different things going on in your world. We run from pain and uncomfortability to that which is comfortable. Like I want to find myself on the golf course rather than in front of 50 screaming kids in a classroom. We want to go from the unknown where I don't feel capable. I don't feel like I'm in control. I don't feel like I know what's going to happen. I want to go from that space and go to things that are known, safe, predictable. We all do that. You're thinking about things now. You think, that's why I'm sick of all the scary new things. Can we just leave things how they were? We go from things that are hard and we run from them to the easy. The question is, if you're wanting to alter your life, are you merely running from pain to these things, running from uncomfortability to comfortable? Are you running from things or are you running to God? Are you running from the pain or are you running to the destiny that God has for you, the plan he has for you, an effective, abundant life, which, as we read from these scriptures, a great price has been paid for, for us to have this exceptional experience of God and to live an effective life. However, this is the disclaimer. God definitely wants us to run to him, to a great big life. That's good. That's aspirational. He doesn't say it is going to be easy, though. He does say these. Let's let's read up those scriptures. Thanks, guys. Hebrews 12, verse 2 says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. So in order to get to the joy, Jesus had to go through some pain. This is the sort of preaching you want to hear in the beginning of the year, isn't it? You know, but there is joy. Joy comes in the morning, but God is our very present help in time of need. There is a joy waiting for us. There's a joy along the way, but there are things we need to deal with. 1 Corinthians 16 verse 9 says, A great, this is the Apostle Paul speaking of the things that were before him in the great ministries he was planning. For a great effective door has opened to me. I think in some scriptures it says, but. Everyone say, but. It says and there, but I go but. But there are many adversaries. So it's exciting, but there's some things we're going to have to deal with. We've got to grow up, people, with the world of TikTok and Facebook and YouTube and everything like that. It just shows you the, the yachts and the, the massage and the, the golf courses. <laughs> Too soon. Uh, but a, a strong, rich life is far more than meat and clothing, the Bible says, or the things that we do. It's what we have inside us that sustains us. And 2 Corinthians 4.17 says a bit more about that. 2 Corinthians 4.17, for our light affliction. Everyone say light affliction. Okay, so maybe you think your affliction's heavier than someone else's, but it's still, according to the Bible, it's a light affliction, which is but for a moment, hang in there works for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. I'm just looking for that glory. I'm looking for that space where God, 
I'm not comparing myself to what the world says is, is successful. I'm running to that which you called me for, the thing that you've purchased me for, which is to be changed into the image of Jesus and to, to wear a crown standing and then to cast my crown down before him around the throne in heaven forever, singing holy, 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 like we did before. Starts, it starts now. We can start heaven now. Just on earth, we're pulled to the... We're pulled to the the physical stuff a little bit too much. And so one person who helps us know how we can live an abundant life and to get through those offences is a man called Abram, who later became... Very good. So Abraham was one such man. He answered the call of God. He didn't seek out the woman's weekly. They didn't have it then. I don't know what they had, what sort of rag they had. They didn't have Google. Hey, Google. How do I live a better life? How do I get deal with these Egyptians? How do I <laughs> to find out the best ways of relieving his malaise and to alter his circumstances? He altered his life, and so Noah did. Uh, Noah did build an altar around the flood time, but then Abraham's famous for his four altars, which we're going to look at today. He altered his life, and he altered. His life. So, what is an altar? A L T A R. What is this? We've heard of the altar. We talk about come to the altar. The Father's arms are open wide. Don't know the rest of the words, but that's okay because I sound real nice. (laughs) So, an altar. We we often refer to this altar. Really, in in some more traditional sort of churches that uh, enjoy the some of the more ceremonial ritual of the. Of liturgy, they would have a, a large table up here, like you know, whether it be bejeweled or gilded, but fancy table up here with the Word of God and maybe the elements of communion, and it's referred to as the altar. But basically, the altar is a platform. Okay, it's a platform where something, usually a an offering, a gift, or a sacrifice in the Old Testament, when bulls and goats and sheep were nervous. Uh, an altar was where the sacrifice would be put. It's a God-ordained mechanism which affords believers a place. Now listen to this. It affords us the altar in the Old Testament and New Testament. It affords us a place of consecration, commitment, contrition, and celebration. Those four things, the big things of our Christian life, happen at an altar. The word Altar literally means from, I think the Latin etymology is high, a high place, and, and also where sacrifices can be placed. So what does an altar do? Uh, firstly, it creates a physical memorial, a place where you can remember, I made that decision. I went out on that altar call. I built something for God there and committed myself to there, and I remember it. It's a physical, important moment. I'm sure you've all got moments like that in your life. It's a bit like when you got married. You went to the altar where your wife says, I will, I'll alter him. Yeah. And she's still working on it. 35 years last month. Hey. We got our, we got our flowers. Thank you, Metro Church, and our lovely pen, his and hers. They're both hers. Yeah. 
So it's a physical memorial, altar is a physical memorial. Number two, an altar shifts something in our heart. You know, it's like when your heart leaps or your heart feels stronger, your heart feels reborn, you feel like it's going to be okay. An altar can do that because altar involves, involves putting teeth to repentance. Rather than saying, oh, sorry, God, oh, I did it again. Sorry, Lord, try not to do that. Oh, I feel really bad. No, an altar says, no, I'm going to sacrifice my, my shame, my pride, put that all on the altar, and God, can you change me? Can you, in this moment, change me? It brings teeth to repentance. Number three, it provides a transformative intersection point between the spiritual and the natural. You look at all the places where altar is mentioned in the Bible, there's usually something very divinely significant that happens at that point where the spirit realm and the natural collide. So when you, that's why when you come out for an altar call, I used to think, oh, you know, I'll just stay here. I'll stand here. You know, God knows me. I don't need to walk out the front. I don't need people to see me. Yeah, it's not about people. I mean, the church is about people, but your heart and responding to God is absolutely between you and God. But coming out to the altar, standing and saying, God, I make a choice, a commitment, a consecration. I turn to you in this moment and I say, God, would you forgive me? Would you help me? There is something very powerful and an altar affords us that place. And lastly, an altar allows God full permission. I mean, it's like, well, God doesn't need permission, but he wants us to ask of him to come. He doesn't make us do things. He commands things, but the choice is ours. I, if I was God, I'd go, okay, just do it. I don't care. Nike didn't come up with it. God did. Just do it. Yeah, but no, but he says, do this and you'll have life. Choose this and you'll have life. Choose that. There'll be consequences. But he doesn't make us. I think, oh, okay, Lord, then I want to be someone who actually has that capacity to follow you. The altar enables God to impart to us the capacity and the ability to follow him. If you're having trouble following God or pleasing God, I feel like you're, just the Christian life is hard. It's because you're probably doing it in your own strength. And I, I know when I do that... And we get sophisticated as we get older. We understand the things of God, but we still work them out in the flesh. And altar lays the flesh on the altar, onto the platform, and allows us to be burnt up by God where we are totally dependent upon him for our salvation and for our righteousness. So altars are pretty important, hey? Pretty cool. All right, so here are four altars. In the next seven or eight minutes, it's going to be, we're going to talk fast. Four altars that will lead you to a me change. All right, we've had the tree change, we've had the fee change, the speed change, the we change. Now we're going to have a me change. And let's, let's see what Abram did, where Abram became Abraham. I, did, incidentally, do you know why when Abraham became uh, Abraham became Abraham? So Abraham was all about you know father of the one who you know, gives glory to God, and then he became father of many nations. Listen to this in Hebrew: that letter H. It's a, obviously it's a breathed letter. It's the widest, fattest, highest letter. It's the full size of a font you can possibly get. H symbolizes the fleshing out. Expounding, clarifying, detailing, and explaining and spreading of an idea to its fullest. H, then, when God gave Abraham that H, it gave him the gift and authority to communicate God's ideas, God's plan for salvation. So that's a pretty big deal, isn't it? Abraham. If you've got a, so if you've got a H in your letter, which I do, my cow. Mike, how bad is me? It's a lot of power there, right? Okay, four altars. 
Number one, are you with me? Okay. I've got a Toblerone here. I'm not afraid to use it. I was going to throw it to the... So anyone I see falling asleep, I'm going to throw the Toblerone at. It's like a... <laughs> be, an altar of praise. Genesis 12, verse 7. Genesis 12, verse 7 says, And the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your descendants I will give this land. And then Abram, he built an altar to the Lord. So basically, it hasn't happened yet. Abram and his, his uh, nephew Lot, they've been called out of the era of Chaldees and they've been told to go to a land which they know not. Okay, No Google Maps in those days, no nav, sat nav. Just, just go and I'll tell you when you get there. I love this, the fact that Abram was a person of gratitude who showed ultimate faith by thanking God before the thing happened or before he got the blessing. So before you start 2024, before you get into it, thank God now. Be a person who says, I have got an attitude of gratitude because God, I have no need to fear because God has made a way for me. And sometimes if you feel like, oh, that's going to hurt because I feel like there are some things that are going to be tricky, that's why it's called a sacrifice of praise. Praise hurts. Everyone say, praise hurts. Praise hurts. Anyone can go, oh, ooh, thank you, Lord. I feel so good. Ooh. Anyone can do that when just everything's going great. It's like, yeah. but God, I can't see where I'm meant to go. I can't see what's meant to be happening. In fact, I can see some giants. I can see some opposition and problems. But I, yet do I choose to praise you. That gets heaven's attention. You know, in the world, they score, as we know in football and cricket and soccer, they score and then the crowd roars. In the kingdom, we roar, then we score. You like that? Sister Lynette, birthday girl, happy birthday. So dreams not yet fulfilled. Maybe there's things that are not yet fulfilled. Abram had not yet fulfilled his call, but he saw it in the spirit. Remember the altar is a, is a, is a collision, a co coincidence, coincidence of the spirit realm and the natural realm. And when you start to see in the spirit, I, I can see. I can see myself doing that for you, Lord. I can see that coming to pass. Praise gets you into that space. And what you build the altar of praise with is your tongue. Your tongue. Number two, the altar of prayer. The altar of prayer. We've got that up here. We, there we go. Praise. Prayer. Genesis 12, 8 goes on to say, Abram moved from that place to the mountain east of Bethel and he pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. There he built an altar to the Lord and he called on the name of the Lord. Now, I don't know if he knew much more about the fact that there was going to be a famine where he's going to in Egypt, but he called on the name of the Lord. He was a person of faith. When you don't know what to do, first thing you do, you ask your wife. Second thing you do, you ask God. <laughs> be a person of faith. That's why you need to marry a person of faith. But be a person of faith who seeks out God for answers. Use faith book, not face book. I have a New Year's resolution. In fact, it's more a request from my wife and a, a conviction from the Holy Spirit, get off Facebook. Uh, I don't know if I'll go entirely off it, but I'm getting pulled into way too much stuff that's actually not good for my soul. So Abram was a person who was, he didn't worry about wearying God by not asking. I'll say that again. 
the Bible says that we wear God out when we don't ask him and talk to him. We wear him out. Abram was referred to as the friend of God, someone who walked with God, talked with him. That's, that was God's plan. So he had no problem asking God for things and calling, as verse 8 says, calling on the name of the Lord. Inquire of him. Spend time with him. You build the altar of prayer with another T letter, T word, called time. Praise with the tongue. Prayer with time. Number three, the altar of peace. Everyone say peace. Peace. Gen, Genesis 13, verse 7 to 18. I love this. <laughs> this is a great story. This gives me... This gives me hope. Genesis 13, verse 7 to 18. And there was strife between the herdsmen of Abram, Abram's livestock, and the herdsmen of Lot, his nephew's livestock. The Canaanites and the Perizzites then dwelt in the land. So Abram said to Lot, Please let there be no strife between you and me, and between my herdsmen and your herdsmen, for we are brothers. Is not the whole land before you? Please separate from me. If you take the left, then I'll go to the right. Or if you go to the right, I'll go to the left. Lot lifted up his eyes and saw that the plain of Jordan, and it was well watered everywhere before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. Like the garden of the Lord it was. Like the land of Egypt as you go towards Zor. Then Lot chose for himself the plain of Jordan. It talks about the fact that they went separate ways. I love the fact that Abram was a person of integrity. He didn't, couldn't solve the herdsman dispute. Maybe there's people in your world, you can't solve it. It's like, I like to fix things. If I can't fix a problem with a neighbour, oh, there's something wrong with me, or we need to move. No, it's just, there's strife. Okay, so what do we do? Those issues with people may remain, but if your heart is right, God always makes a way. God always vindicates. God always looks after his kids. And so the bigger person asks for grace for that person. In fact, it goes further in Matthew. It says we pray for those who persecute us and say things that are, are wrong. Pray for them. And we need God's grace for that, right? I mean, I had someone in, in Dome, you know, not exactly, I'm not fighting to get into the promised land. I'm just waiting for my coffee. And this dear old soul, I figure she was old because she was definitely older than me. And I'm getting there. And, she's, and I was standing probably about... I know, probably, she's there, way in line. I'm about here, so you can't see that. She's there. I'm probably about, about here. So I'm not like, you know, <laughs> awkward, you know, social distancing, come on. And I wasn't like, it wasn't like there because someone would push in. It's Perth. That's what they, that's what they do. So I'm here. And she's, and she's there and she turns to me because she goes, she goes uh, step back. <laughs> Sorry? Step back. Uh, I'm like, oh, okay, sorry. Further, further. I thought, I turned the person around next to me. I started to hit the people behind me. And, I, and, I was, and she, the guy goes, maybe she wants you to go outside. <laughs> I thought, and, there was, and I thought, sometimes you have a bit of guilt. I'm the sort of person who quickly takes guilt. If there's a problem, I must have said something wrong. I must have done something wrong, you know. I try and be a person without guile. I have problems, but I try not to have guile. Where I'm just a mean-spirited person trying to get people. I'm not like that. But I do think that. I think, maybe, maybe I did something wrong. I didn't even realise it. Flip. Okay, I need to work. No, I, I was... 
And I turned to the person next to me, I said, what are they doing? He goes, no, don't worry about it, mate. And he was really encouraging and really nice. And he made everyone feel happy about it. And so I got to the thing and I, I turned this thing around and I bought the guy behind me a coffee. I probably should have bought her the coffee, <laughs> but I was just too hurt. <laughs> Between that and seeing some guys go past with their golf, golf buggies, <laughs> I was just, I, I was well, not in the place to do it. So what, what does that talk about? That talks about when you can just let go and let God, it's a place of trust. You build the altar of peace in your soul by trusting that God is going to take care of you. He'll work it out. He's got your back. Don't worry about it. And the last one, and I forgot to get the band, uh, just come side stage if you could. last one is altar of provision. That's a big one as we, as we kick into the new year. Provision, Genesis 22 Verse 9 to 14. Let's see what Abram got up to. So Abram, they came to the place of God, which God had told him. Actually, by now, Abram is Abraham. So Abraham built an altar there and placed the wood in order. And he bound Isaac, his son, and laid him, the promise, on the altar, upon the wood. Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And so he said, here I am. And he said, do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. And then, of course, God provides the, the ram or the, the lamb in the, in the thicket. Um, and that was able to be that, that sacrifice. Be a person who chooses God's way to get ahead. What happens is, like Abram, the emotional pressure to hold on to stuff, to hold on to, in Abraham's case, even something that you feel like God has given you. Hang on. God, you gave this to me. Why would I let go of that? Why would I not defend that? Sometimes God will ask you, to trust him for things even he's given you or things you feel like you deserve, you've toiled faithfully for, things you need to be able to do what you need to do for God and to support your family. God wouldn't ask me to give that. But if we commit to working hard, spending wisely, giving generously, but always acknowledging God as, a, as, a, as our supply, I believe God doesn't want us to go without. The Bible's full of examples that he became poor so we become rich. I want you, want you to prosper in all that you do, your comings and goings, even as your soul prospers. Given, it shall be given. Pressed down, running over into your bosom, it will be given. God's all about blessing, but he doesn't want you to hang on to the blessing as your security, your comfort, your salvation. He is our salvation. So acknowledging God is our supply. Total dependence on God. That's the altar. It's built by the last T is total dependence. Band, you can come on. Thank you, guys. So building an altar, coming to the altar. So we're going we're gonna to do an altar call right now. It's not going to go for a long time. We're not going to have 50 prophetic words and we'll go to 2 in the afternoon. At the end of the service, there'll be opportunity for people who'd like to stay for prayer. We've got some people who are going to stand and pray with people for anything you'd like prayer for. There's also the prayer space, uh, like the little hub outside the doors, if you'd like just to acquire a spot just to have someone you know, answer questions or pray with you. But I felt this is, as we start the new year, a moment of decision, a point of being altered by the Holy Spirit, altered in our perceptions of God and what He's called me to do. 
they would actually come and not, not out of weakness, but out of a strength because we are saying, God, what matters most to you? It's going to matter to me. And that's why I'm coming down the front. I'm going to trust you for peace. Sorry, bigger pardon. I'm going to trust you for the future. I'm going to use my mouth to begin to praise you and be grateful for what you've given me and what you're going to do. I'm going to believe you for the things I'm looking for in my life. I'm going to start to talk with you and have conversations and be really honest about things that I'm, I'm believing for, for you to come, out, come through on my behalf. I want to become a person of prayer this year. I want to be a person who knows how to have great relationships because I'm trusting you, Lord. I'm not stepping out out of the heat of my, of my heart or emotions, but Lord, I'm just asking you to, to give me wisdom and grace for people around me. And finally, God, I'm trusting you for my finances, my provision. You know, Linda and I have got a situation at the moment we're having to put God right in the middle of because it's like I want to touch it in the natural. And God says, just do what you can do, but then just leave it with me. Trust me. So we're going to stand and we're going to sing this song, Make Room. And as we come, as we stand, everyone stands. Everyone just stand with me now if you would. As we sing this song, just come and stand in front of the whichever one you'd like to stand in. Just worship the Lord. But remember, as we come to the altar, A-L-T-A-R stands for a life transformed and renewed. I want to start this year like that. I want to start fresh, ready to go God's way. Let's make room for Him. Let's make room for Him as we come to the altar. Let's sing together with the guys. Thanks, guys. As we sing, please just come, come down and worship in front of the altar you'd like to do. Let's do that in Jesus' name. Thanks, guys. Here is where I lay it down Every burden, every crown This is my surrender this is my surrender, and here is where I live. So if, if you're in the balcony, you can come down to level three. Please be welcome to come join us if you'd like to. This is my surrender. I will make room. Watching this on TV, make that step towards this God this morning, won't you? Surrender. Connect with God. This is my the spirit and the natural changing things right now. Here is where I live. Show us your down. ways, Lord. Every lie and every doubt, Lord. Whatever you 
38 by my watch. Some of you are going, oh yeah, that's good. It's good, Michael. I get the point. Yeah, I'm going to take that, take those points. No, no, no. Some of you need, I'm not saying you're all going to come out the front, <laughs> but I feel like you owe it to yourself. Just to, you know what? It's not a big move, not a big step, but you know what? If you feel like the Holy Spirit's saying, just do this. This is a big first step for you. And you watch what God will start to do. There's a supernatural thing that happens. The natural meets the spiritual. Walking out to this altar, God did it for Abraham. He did it for so many people. He'll do it for you, but you've got to make room for Him. So if you'd like to come here, we're going to sing that part that goes, lay down your traditions, all that stuff. We're going to lay down stuff and make room for Him. Let's go to the bridge and come on, join us. Come out the front as we sing. Come on. Shake down the ground of all my traditions. Your way is better. Yes, your way, God. Your way is better. That's right. Yeah, come on down. Thanks, guys. Shake up the ground of all my tradition. Break down the walls of all my tradition. Your way is better. Your way is better. Tradition, break down the walls of all my tradition. Your way is better. Your way is better. Shake up the ground of all my tradition. Break down the walls of all my Thank you, Lord, for this one. Thank you, Lord, as they've made room for you, Jesus. Thank you, God, that you've caused something to ignite in their spirit, Lord. Change the way that focuses. Change their place of trust. Change their place of believing, God, that they would find more in you. They'd find greater things in you because, God, they've let go. They've let go. They've let go. I will make room for you. Whatever you want to, to do whatever you want to, I will make room for you. To do whatever you want to, to do whatever you want to. Thank you, Lord. If we could just ask you to bow your head just across the auditorium right now, you might say, Michael, I. I found myself in church this morning. Maybe you're online and you've, you're watching the TV. Maybe this is what you do every week. But I'm going to talk to people who maybe you've not made that first step to actually say, God, I'm going to lay my life on the altar. I actually want to give my life to you. You can't just add God into your life. God doesn't fit into a corner pocket of your, your life. God is he's holy and he holy, W-H-O-L-E-Y. He wants to wholly come into your life and, and to transform you and, and to touch you and to exchange. He's given His life wholly for you. Would you give your life wholly to Him this morning? If you're watching, if you've, if you've never received Jesus as your personal Lord and Saviour, billions of people 
do. There's probably, I don't know, over a billion Christians in the world and they want to see Jesus come alive in their life every day. That's what we're trying to do here at the church and it's the most beautiful journey. Would you join that journey this morning? Maybe you're here in the building as well. We have a very simple thing we ask people to do. I'm going to say a prayer. We have a thing called Yes Text. And the yes text, we'll put the information up in a moment. But if you'd like to say that prayer to invite Jesus in your heart right now and say yes to him, just say this prayer after me. And just if you mean it, God's going to come. And he'll do business in your heart. He'll, he'll actually give you a new heart. He'll come and live inside your life to be with you. Let's pray, say this prayer after me. Dear Jesus, thank you for dying for me. Thank you for that ultimate sacrifice to pay for my sin, to pay for my redemption, to pay for my fresh start. So today, God, I'm laying it all down. I lay my life on the altar and I ask you to forgive me. I ask you to clean me and I ask you to change me. I receive you, Jesus, as my Lord and my Saviour. Amen. 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 You can look this way. So on the, on the screen you'll see a, a number there for the yes text. The yes text works like this. Basically, we can't do this alone. I know that walking with God is awesome, but God has given us one another to encourage us, to provoke one another to good works, to, to steer each other towards the, the great things the Word has to say to help our life. So we are we're, we're family. So what we'll do, one of our family, the church office here, will send through a, a text every day with some encouraging scriptures and thoughts to help you grow in your walk with God. They're not going to pester you and bother you and take the attendance. They just want to bless you by sending you some text. You can have full confidence in that. So there's the text number, 0488-826392. Or if you're from overseas, uh, there's our yes text um, for email, yes.metrochurch.org.au. Awesome. Can we give, uh, give thanks and praise to God in advance for those people who've said yes to Him this morning? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So as we close the service, we have our amazing coffee, of course. We've got our Connect Hub where you can, you can give, you can connect, ask questions. Um, we've got a couple of our team. We're going to pray down the front, and there's also the prayer space at the back. Can I skip? Can I throw? In, I've got one minute to throw an ad in, <laughs> only because I believe in this. Because this thing was started by our church. It's called King's Worship Academy. Can we get a close up of that? No, no. Okay, no. It's King. I'll mime it. Uh, the King's Worship Academy. It's basically what we what we're doing here right now. We do this once a month on a Monday night, and we learn about how to get into the flow of worship biblical worship and make worship a lifestyle. If you'd like to find out more about that, there's some brochures on King's Worship Academy over on the uh, the brochure rack, um, and it's it's half price for folks in our church, just so, just so you know. It's pretty, pretty fantastic. Um, so I look forward to hopefully seeing some of you there, and have a great day uh, tonight. Of course, life groups. Enjoy that. See you next week. God bless.